Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Pod by the Bay, proudly presented by the Bay Area Examiner. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Going alongside me, Seth Varnador, Robert Stieg, and special guest Colin Sherwin as uh, the USF football team is licking its wounds after two straight horrendous weeks where they get absolutely blown out, annihilated, embarrassed, uh, once on the road, once back at home for homecoming, most recently uh, 56 to 14 at the hands of the FAU Owls. And I think the one thing for certain, fellas, is Tom Herman, without a doubt, unquestionably hates Todd Orlando and his entire family. I mean, he, he was trying to prove it wasn't a scapegoating, all right? This guy's just... He's just—he was the problem. I wasn't scapegoating him at Texas. He was the problem, uh, and then they fired him because of Sark. I thought the uh, familiarity might go both ways there in the game. You know, seemed to be a one-way street. I would because, say that's an understatement. Um, when was when was the last time a team gave up seventeen straight touchdowns? No field goals. Seventeen straight touchdowns. You may have to look back to. Last season, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, just slow him down a little, maybe potentially. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's, I mean, you, eight eight per game, and then the last one at Navy was a touchdown too. It hasn't been ideal for Todd Orlando and his crew. Um, the numbers kind of bared out the last couple of weeks. Um, fun fact, they're still allowing five fewer points than they did last year. They are allowing like 25 more yards uh, through the air uh, this season compared to last year. Uh, but man, it was a, it was a tough watch on Saturday, uh, especially uh, in the second half. And we kind of saw the cracks kind of in the first half, a couple of mistakes by FAU. I think there, there's a drop screen pass uh, by FAU that almost got intercepted. But if it if the receiver if the running back just had like hands instead of stone, like that's going for forty yards and it stalled out a drive for the Owls. And Daniel Richardson had the game of his life. I think he threw for three hundred and eighty three yards, career high thirty one to thirty eight. Wasn't pressured at all all day. Was never in duress, and it it bore out and. Now USF has to go up to UConn where, you know, the, the, the Huskies are one in five. They're 0 and four at home. They've played a couple of close games. They beat Rice two weeks ago. They're coming off a bye and USF desperately needs to get to the bye week with a win. Uh, this fan base has quite frankly melted down <laughs> further than under the Jeff Scott tenure, which I didn't think was possible when you've won three games in two years and you've already won those three games in a single season and this fan base is beside themselves, uh, progress isn't linear. Guys, help me, talk me off the bridge because I was just so downtrodden Saturday night talking to my wife about the game and about how toxic this fan base has kind of become. And maybe I'm speaking out of turn because we love our subscribers. We love people who interact. But man, some of the online folks have kind of just ruined the fan experience. 
watching I mean, football. It's, it's 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 purely a, a case of you know previously having no expectations, and, and it's really kind of like it's almost like a rubber band effect where you get you kind of get some expectations for the first time. You kind of get to have those irrational fan expectations that everybody has in the off season typically, but you didn't have them because of how bad the last few years have been. So then you play a you know. The helmets were the Alabama helmets. The uniforms were the Alabama uniforms. You played Alabama in a one-score game to the very end. That's going to ratchet expectations up when you feel like the team has improved. So that kind of set the expectations super high, and then you win the next two games. Now the expectations are really high, uh, especially if you haven't, haven't had them for a while. So I think that it's just a function of having really high expectations based on beating two teams that, you should have beat and then playing Alabama's second string and third string quarterback who turns out are pretty terrible playing them really tight. You know, if, if that Alabama game's a blowout, I don't think we're, you're dealing with these kind of issues, even though they lost. If, if the Alabama game's a blowout, I think people, the level is set a little bit more that raised expectations super high. And then you feel you, even though you're not too far removed from giving up, you know, four touchdowns or whatever final score was to F, to FAMU, you feel like you're kind of past these kind of games. And then when they creep up on you, and then I think there's the added um, kind of psychological torture of it being a team that's coming into the conference when you've spent all offseason clamoring to get out of the conference. Uh, It's just there's kind of levels that I think would add up to some people being really upset. It's just a bunch of things on top of each other. Uh, But yeah, well, I think when you, you got to step back and look at the whole picture, right? Like expectations, that's your problem. That's not something the team set on you. Uh, you got to adjust to kind of remember where we were in the preseason. Think about that. Obviously, you don't want to get blown out twice in a row once at home. But let's see where it goes from here and then kind of get back to level set, I think, is what is going to happen probably and what needs to happen. It's, it's the unprecedented kind of turnaround that USF fans experienced for three weeks that we were kind of seeing across the country with the familiar players happening in kind of the same realm. And, you know, they started off 3-0 and and, you know, USF plays well for three straight weeks. So you think, oh, we've cornered. This is, you know, we're, we're hitting the ground running in year one in game, you know, six. We're, we're, we're flying by the seat of our pants. We're able to do a lot more because we have the new coaching staff and all these new players, but really in, in, in all reality, you know, a lot of these players are still kind of coming from the same terribly bad defense. And there's still a lot of learning that this team has to do despite it being, you know, uh, a somewhat new team, some familiarity between Todd Orlando and how this team, this uh, scheme is supposed to run. You know, I, I think, you know, if you kind of could spread out and just do loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss that way, I think that, the the lessons of this year might be a little bit more palatable than having you know two really and I'll say it, they're really good wins between Rice and Navy. You looked pretty good for the most part, and you looked like you were starting to put together a confident football game. And then following it up with two, let's say, not competent performances, and you're just getting like like Seth said that that big whiplash of like, oh hey, we finally have a competent coaching staff. We finally have the players we need. And then you're like, uh, not cursing word. Uh, oh heck, this isn't as good as we thought it was. So 
I mean, I, I think the general, I mean, and also it sucks because it's homecoming. You had a really, really good crowd. You had a, an entirely full student section. And then you poop the bed, essentially. I mean, if, if you scroll, if you keep up, if it's a shootout, if it's if it's 56 to, to 45 at the end of the game, it might, you know, be a little bit more palatable, but like not scoring at all in the second half, you know, giving up punt return for touchdown, just making mistake after mistake after mistake. You know, a lot of, I saw a lot of people just going after the coaching staff on on Twitter saying like, you know, what the heck are you doing? What, like, where's the preparation? Where's the elite mindset? Where's this? Where's that? And it wasn't there. And that's fine. You can move into the next week and start to rebuild and see if you can kind of get that positive momentum. So I, I have questions here. Um, obviously, with my current position, I'm watching a lot of games. And um, I try and go back and watch the USF game on Monday on ESPN3. I did not do that this week. So I have not gone back and looked. Um, since the game happened. Uh, Seth, my question for you is, um, how bad is the tape? Because I certainly, you know, while I'm watching three other games at the same time, um, is it effort or is it just talent? Like, it seems to me like the secondary being completely incapable of tackling, it's like their bodies get there and then they just don't have the physical gifts almost to to wrap up or how or hang on helps coming or whatever you got to do. And that seems really bad. And, you know, I, the, the mistakes on offense, I think are a little more clear. You know, I think quite frankly, this team is beat up. I, it seems like there's a lot of guys that are playing through some, some injuries quarterback yeah. included. Um, Data Evans seems like he's certainly not the same guy that was destroying Alabama. Um, what he's going through right now. So like, like, how much of it do you think is effort? And then how much of it is just like, okay, they're on tape, they're figured out, and there's just not a lot of talent here? Well, uh, you know, this game was in – I thought the last two games, the other team had pretty good plans um, offensively, and there was some of that. I, I really think there – and I'll say this, but I, 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 this is like a 3%, I believe, this. It felt like FAU had USF signals figured out defensively because they called the right play for almost every single coverage that USF ran. And it could be that when you're bringing this much pressure and doing this much, your coverages are limited, your checks to certain things are limited. So they kind of know what you're going to be in. But man, there were so many times where USF brought blitz. They had somebody quick to the flat USF dropped back. They had a deep over with, you know, a, a big play action shot down the field to take advantage of zone coverage. It felt like that a lot. Um, Golish said today he thought there's been an effort issue the last couple of day- games, not running to the ball as hard, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so, I, you know, I don't typically comment on effort. I, I haven't gone back and watched a ton of the game, just kind of going more from what I saw uh, live. But, it, you know, I think your issue in terms of like the injury stuff, I think that's legit on defense. You've got guys hurt that are kind of linchpins of what you want to do. Like Amaris Brown's out. If you want to play a ton of man coverage, he's pretty good at that. And you don't have enough like quality veteran depth behind him right. where it's going to be a little bit tougher. Yeah. So, and then the the tackling thing, I think is, is people are starting to notice that get the ball out quick, make them run and tackle. And they have not been a great tackling team all year. That's been something even against Alabama. It wasn't a great tackling team. Uh, they kind of, but they kind of efforted and got people around the ball. Uh, people are starting to spread them out and make them tackle one on one, and it's not not going too well. 
Yeah, I will say that. Oh, I was going to say, the the tackling from week one has been an abomination. Like, that's just not changed at all. Like, it is just really, like, really bad. Um, But if you're going to, I'm going to make one rant and then I'll let it go. Um, If you're pissed off at this coaching staff, go to hell. Um, This team was the worst team in college football the last three years, cumulatively. If not the worst, the worst in a conference because you could probably, you know, drop New Mexico State and UConn and, and a couple others down. But well, UConn made a bowl. Um, I, progress isn't linear. And they're bringing in systems. They're going to break change. You want to judge this coaching staff? Judge them February 7th. Tell me who we sign. Tell me who we get in the portal. Because that's the only way that this team is going to get better. It's just going to take time. And, you know, it's like these Gator fans who are screaming at Napier now you know, in the middle of the year one, you can turn a roster more quickly than you've ever been able to. It doesn't mean you can do it yesterday. It doesn't mean you can control the, you can't get the players that you need to do the things that you want to do. And you can't completely change what you want to become to adjust to the players that you have. And so you have to be able to find that balance and that balance is tough. And when you put things on tape, teams are going to find you out. It's just going to take time. Give these guys a chance. We've won more conference games in a week than we had in three plus years. If, if we go down with the ship here, it's okay. I'd like to see some effort. I, I, the effort needs to be there every single week. That that's inexcusable. You got to have effort, but like, otherwise, what did people expect? Total was four and a half on wins preseason. They're at three and four, three, three. Okay. Like you're right about where you should be. This is what we sort of expected. And to, to just the, the vitriol is, especially from people who I didn't expect it from is really kind of absurd. I, I think it's just gone way too far. Nobody's been harder on coaching staff than I have. This, this is just ridiculous. I mean, Colin, it, according to the discord and people kind of nearly around the program and some folks who are currently in the program, uh, we have the power to get coaches fired, right? Like that's, I mean, historically speaking, we, we've been kind of dead on about the coaches having the, the ones that we have asked to be fired that they needed to be fired, except for Steve, who completely whipped on women's tennis, but we'll forget about that. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I have the power, actually. Uh, I think we should fire Nolish. Uh, I think we should fire the entire staff. Uh, they're clearly incapable of, of putting together a good uh, script. This was all fluke. Um, nice. Yeah, fire them. So this I kind of put out I put out a tweet on on Saturday during the game. It was like, oh, it turns out you can't turn around the worst defense in the country in nine months. And that is accurate. Like there are there's an influx of transfer talent, right? But not enough to shore up everything. Like, God bless him. Tavin Ward is a true freshman and he is trying his best. He is doing his damnedest, but he the drop off between Amaris Brown and Tavin Ward is steep and then Tavon Ward went out for a little bit and then you got Matthew Hill playing corner uh, who was a safety at one point for the last two years in a co- converted wide receiver and now he is third on the depth chart at corner that's not going to be winning football now the effort piece the last two weeks Golish has kind of harped on it that he was kind of surprised last week and then a little bit more surprised uh, during the FAU game at the lack of effort and I don't know where the disconnect is because going into the UAB game, you were on a two game winning streak. You were two and zero in the conference. You were three and one. 
uh, three, three, uh, three and two, whatever, whatever it was, three and two. How do you not? Have, do you feel like you've arrived? That's where he kind of touched on it on Tuesday, where these guys were learning to win. They got a taste of winning. They were expecting to win, and then UAB happened. They were expecting to win, and then just didn't follow through with the rest. Of, the rest of it was essentially what I got from what his comments on Tuesday, and. Like it's tough. We've all been there. Like we're not immune to it. You win a couple, you, you know, Colin. I'm sure you, you have a few good poker hands. You're feeling hot, and it's you're you're. And then you're ripping with these gigabases. Yeah, right. I mean, like you're, you're, you're like you know what? <laughs> Two seven offsuit. I've got this. Don't worry about it. And I bet you just, I bet you. <laughs> you, just, yeah. you just get caught out. So. If they can fix that this week, I think that's going to be a massive step in the right direction. I think going into the bye week on a three-game losing streak, and if they get blown out for the third consecutive week, it's going to be really bad coming out the other end. On the other end, there's, what, four games left, right? My math's Mm -hmm. mathing. You may see some of those true freshmen, those guys. Five games games left. left. Six games left. We're We're three and three. Three. Are we? I thought it was three and four. Yeah. Or three and four, Colin. They're, they're, they're three and four. It's three and three. What are you talking about? Three and four. They're three and four. Western Kentucky. Well, ESPN has them as ESPN has them as three and three. So not even a joke. ESPN can looking at it right ass. Yeah, ESPN can yeah. Two and one in the league, three and three overall. That's what ESPN nope. is. Two and two in the league. Two and two, three and four overall. But yeah, so you, okay. So coming out of the bye week, you've got four games left, you may start to see some of these guys who they were really excited about trickling in if you're three and five. And Seth and I, you, you were, we were talking about it walking out of the stadium on Saturday. Uh, our thought was, okay, after the Rice game, hey, this UConn game could be for, to be bowl eligible. Wow. Our mistake. We shouldn't have thought that. We shouldn't. Have, I no. mean, it's going to be fun to go up there this weekend and, and do an away game trip at, to a stadium I've never been to. That's all well and good. But we kind of were discussing this could be still for a bowl game. Like you win this game, yeah. you can you can win a couple more games and be bowl eligible. You lose this game, man. That, those last four games are it's a, it's a real tough shot. You got Memphis on the road, uh, UTSA on the road. It's a it becomes a real uphill climb to find three wins there at the end. Yeah, I mean, right. So this is basically, and this is super important, not only for momentum going to the bye, but like you said, you lose this, the bowl's probably out of the picture. You win this, and now you just got to beat Temple and Charlotte. You win those two games, you make a bowl game, which would be an unbelievable accomplishment in year one, despite uh these last two games. So this is a super important game just in, in, in a couple of different terms. It could really set you up uh, long-term with some early season, early kind of first-year success. You make a bowl game, big turnaround like that, get some more excitement around the program. Everyone will forget about those two blowouts, right? So, I mean, if you make a bowl and get blown out in every loss, would anybody care? No, not at all. Uh, yeah, bowl, so. At this point, a bowl game is uh, – th- this will be the biggest celebration bowl game since the first one in, in, in Charlotte. Yeah where we were just so damn happy to be there that like people were there were tens of there were over 10,000 USF fans who went made the trip to Charlotte and were just drunk in the streets because we were so excited. And then we got shot out by Mario Williams, but um, 
I here I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there, uh, Nate. I think you were I think you were with me for this one. Um, Temple game 2017. Nick Sharga um, hit you in the face. He went oh, like 2016. Thank you. Um, Nick Sharga hits you in the head um, over and over and over again. Runs you downhill. Just out physical out physicals you, and it sort of you know made them question themselves. How much did UAB's uh, Jermaine Brown? You know, 48 carries, 253. How much does that just, like, make you question who you are as a defense? I mean, they just got run down their damn throat all day by a team that, you know, to that point, had was better than their win-loss record, certainly, but was not, like, a world beater by any standard. I mean, basically, Dilford cost them a game and a half, probably. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where they are. Is that is it, is that part of it? Is it a little psychological? Or, oh, maybe we're not as good as we think we are? I think it could be part of it, but I, I think, and maybe this will sound controversial. I don't think it will. The defense wasn't supposed to be very good. That wasn't the plan. The plan for defense, why do you hire Todd Orlando? You want to cause a lot of turnovers. You want to be high variance on defense. That'll lead to some big blowout, some games where your uh, the other team scores a lot. That also lead to some games where you get a bunch of tackles for loss. You get turnovers. And your defense, while not being great statistically, game to game, you could have a good performance, right? The key is your offense is supposed to be very good to pair with that defense. It's what USC did in Lincoln Riley's first year. They're trying to do it again, but they're playing some better teams or their offense isn't quite as good this year. And you're seeing them kind of go through the same thing on a much smaller level. The defense wasn't supposed to be dominant. The defense was supposed to be able to play well in a few games, and the offense was supposed to carry you. You've gotten blown out the last two games because the offense has been bad. That's, I mean, that's really, even even scoring all those points in UAB, the game was over when you were scoring those points. Right. Like, you, you've lost these two games by these margins because your offense has been bad, getting off the field quick, putting the defense back in bad positions where they're already hurt, they already have poor depth, and now they're playing a ton of plays. That first, that first offensive possession for USF this this week was 14 seconds, three straight deep shots. And I don't, I don't mind it, but then you come into the press conference this week and talk about P and 10, which is, you know, possession intense, your, your first, first down of each possession. And you talk about your struggles and it's kind of been that way for the entire season. We'll get into those, those numbers uh, in the Ponderosa section. We've kind of broken down every single P and 10, for USF over the last four games, basically the last two wins, last two losses and comparing them. And it's alarming. It's not good. Uh, Just real quick. I'll I'll give you something um, to kind of chew on Uh, in the two games that I charted so far, Navy and UAB on P and 10 first play of each possession for USF. They've gotten a first down twice. So on first and 10, they've been able to get a first down twice on what amounts to 13, 30, 28 possessions. They've amount, they've gotten two first downs on first and 10. Now that's really tough, especially with this kind of offense, which relies on explosive plays, getting over the top, being electric, and it just hasn't happened. Um, you know, and I'll be honest, 
two, one of those two plays was in the UAB game where Byron Brown's pass got batted back to himself and he, he caught the ball for 50, a 15 yard gain in a first down. That's less um, than ideal. So here, um, opponents have 28 red zone possessions. Um, and by the way, I, I was talking to somebody who was um, important in, in football about this about three weeks ago. What do I look at when I'm looking at teams? I'm trying to evaluate teams. Um, I factor out a lot of turnovers. I try and throw away a lot of the yards between the twenties. And I'm looking mostly at, you know, um, red zone, red zone efficiency and yards per play and some other stuff too. But red zone efficiency is a huge thing that I look at. Um, opponents have been in USF's red zone 28 times this year, uh, 14 touchdowns on the ground, six in the air, three field goals, five, uh, no scores. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to be that not great in the red zone, that's one thing, but then you're also giving up monsters. Um, they're giving up a ton of plays from outside the red zone too. big plays, big shots over the top. You can't do both. You got to do one or the other. You know, if you're going to play this Tyler Orlando take defense, you're going to play takeaway, you know, like what USC has basically done for the last two years under, uh, Alex Grinch, which is just, we're going to chuck it. And if, if we're going to make a play, we're either going to turn, get the ball back, or we're going to run Caleb Williams back out there. Um, they don't give up a lot in the red zone because they mostly give up shots over the top. At least they did last year. It's a little this year. You can't do both though. You can't be bad in the red zone and you can't be going for the ball. You got to do one or the other. It's not bend, but also break. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Well said, sir. Bend and or break. Uh, That's the, that's the tough beat. And, you know, it's clear Byron Brown's not a hundred percent, especially after those two hits that he took. Uh, that both both hits were resulted in targeting calls where the player was ejected last week. We'll see what his fitness level is. Um, I, I was talking to someone around college football on Saturday, and they said uh, sooner or later they're going to break the break him with how much they're running him, and it's absolutely true. I think that's it. Definitely played a part in Gary Bohannon's injury last year. It's played a part in, you know, a lot of quarterbacks since Quentin Flowers, uh, they've kind of run the ball around and, and gotten hurt. And it's, it's, it, I think more so than in any football level, like maybe, maybe high school, uh, it matters maybe a little bit more, but if you don't have a quarterback, man, it, it is so hard to play college football. It is so tough. Like even in the NFL, like you can have a mediocre to bad quarterback and still be halfway decent because everybody else is elite. But in college, it is so vitally important to have a competent quarterback. And that's what USF has 79.5% of the time with Byron Brown. And USF has so many competent quarterbacks. Jordan McLeod, Mike White, uh, Chris Oladokin. <laughs> We've had plenty of competent quarterbacks, buddy. We just haven't been able to keep them. <laughs> uh, well, you know, here's the thing, Colin. If a certain coach decided he wanted a left-handed quarterback, he probably would have shown up for the in-home visit and we wouldn't be in the situation. But now he's lighting up the country at Washington. But that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Neither here nor there. Hmm. Honestly, left-handed quarterbacks scare me. I uh, whenever I watch uh, the Dolphins play, I I change the setting whenever the Dolphins are on the offense and they're <laughs> so that it looks normal. Uh, left-handed quarterbacks just frankly scare me. Like it doesn't look right. And Ball I, spins I get the other way. 
Yeah. It's, it's like an Australian yeah. toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. Um, I, I'm a, but you know what? Like, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Let's, we've seen what Golish can do. They put together a fantastic game plan against Alabama. They got two conference wins, which if you'd said before the season, you, you might have taken that. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the future. It's about talent. It's about building the system. And I think these guys have shown that they're competent. Um, I like, you know, I like the aggression. I think that sometimes if they're anything, they're maybe a little too aggressive uh, as game managers. Um, yep. But yeah, and I, in the long I would run, agree with you there. Uh, looking at some of the stats on the fourth down stats uh, this season, I believe USF leads the country in fourth down attempts with 29. Only seven other teams have tr- attempted at least 20 or more fourth downs, and USF has by far one of the lower percentages. There's a couple, and these are also bad teams, where they're under even under 50% on fourth down. USF, I think right now, it's like at 50, either 53% or 57%, and the top half um, of the 20-plus is at like 70%. So like you're going for it a lot because you need to and you're desperate, but also you're not converting a lot. That UAB game kind of charting it uh, after halftime here was – their first four possess first five possessions, uh, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, touchdown, turnover on downs. Um, you know what? In the long run, though, that's going to be okay because when you get the the players that you need to run your system and you start to build a culture, you're going to be a, that is the mathematically correct thing to do. I think Golish is clearly a math guy, um, and in the long run, I think that's going to be a win for us to be this aggressive. It's just. It, you know, in the short term, when you won fourth and 16 against Alabama, where you're going, okay, what are we doing here? Um, but in the long I run, I think say, it's going to be, it's going to be right. Um, my favorite thing was, uh, I think at one point they, uh, they came out on like a fourth down, like five, like the, what, like our 14 yard line or something like that. And I was like, I like part of me was like, yeah, go for it. Fuck it. <laughs> like, I, like, I know they were trying to, you know, see what the defense was going to give them. And it was early enough in that game where, you know, I was like, yeah, honestly, I prefer the aggressive nature than like the complacent nature that I saw over the last two. Like, being shots, you know, yeah. there are times where, you know, the defense feels like it's complacent, but, you know, they're, 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 they're taking shots, they're taking their, their lumps and everything like that. You know, I, I made the tweet earlier, um, you know, this season that when they start firing on all cylinders, this offense is going to be a lot of fun. We got kind of a, a taste of it for about two games there, and uh, you know then it, it came crashing down for a sec. But yeah, I think I, I still think once they really start picking, like probably next year, game four or five, then it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun because this. I mean, then at that when it is fourth down and five at your own thirteen yard line, you have a five yard play in your playbook to get you five yards. I think they have a play to get five yards right now. Um, so that kind of puts a stinker on it. But yeah, it just, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. But I, like in mind, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Goal should go for it. But if you have the play and you have the numbers that back, that back you up, you got my seal of approval. Yeah, I think it's, it's a lot easier to rein in an aggressive coach than it is to make a uh, conservative guy start going for it. So, um, that's it for now. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I don't want to give a prediction because, man, it went sideways last week, so I'm not even going to attempt it. 
Um, Steve very much annoyed people in the Discord when you said that the FAU was going to win. You thought it was going to be a closer <laughs> game, but hey, you were right. So there's that. Um, thanks for tuning in to another edition of Pod by the Bay, proudly presented by the Bay Area Examiner for Seth, Steve, and Colin. I've been Nathan Bond. Good night. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.